Yeah, have you have you started using threads? Yeah, yeah, I got on there. I don't like it though. Like as of right now, obviously they have a lot of kinks to work out. How do you actually only see the ones that you want to see? What do you mean? Because right now, if I go on my timeline or whatever the hell they call it, I'm seeing a bunch of random people that I'm not subscribed to or following. I just want to see the ones I'm following. Yeah, I think um, initially it's gonna show you like a bunch of other people as well, like the people that are trying to promote or like big celebrities and shit like that. Just till there's like a big enough user base that they can sort of just make it like a regular timeline or, you know, whatever feed. Okay, so you haven't looked into it yet. I mean, you probably have looked into it in the options section. You can't actually do that yet, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that's not a thing yet. Mm, shitty. But it's also like the first, still like the first day released to public, right? Day and a half that we're in? Yeah, I guess so. So I wouldn't, like, it's obviously not going to be like this come the, the final uh, form of... Has Elon um, changed his stance on what he did before in terms of how many posts you can see per day or no? No, from what I've heard. Hmm. I don't know, man. I haven't gone on Twitter today. I've only been on threads. <laughs> <laughs> Has that experience been good for you? Uh, I don't know, man. I think it's like the new... Uh... It's like the new thing, right? Everyone gets like really hyped up over a new app that gets released. And because Twitter's dying off, everyone's all, you know, la-di-da about threads and giving Zuckerberg more like coverage and shit like that. But is this really any different than like any other social media app that we've had get introduced? Not really. You get hyped for a week, two weeks, and then we'll see where it actually goes. I think the only difference is it really looks like Twitter. It really feels like Twitter. So maybe that's, maybe that's what puts them ahead, I guess. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran. And on the line, the Iceman himself, seemingly on some sort of beach. Are you, are you going to Vegas Summer League? Is that what's happening? Josh Cohen, how you doing? I wish. I heard that they've already sold out uh, the Friday game with Wembanyama against uh, Brandon Miller. So I'm sure those tickets are very, very costly. But unfortunately, I will not be there. But one year, we should definitely go. This would have been the year, honestly. I mean, I've been saying it for multiple years. Raj went like three years ago. And I was like, not three. That's an exaggeration. Maybe like six years ago. I was like, damn, man. I should have just gone with him. Fucked up. Yeah. Me too. Messed up. I've been in Vegas multiple times, but never for summer league. It seems like such a fun event for people like us that are, you know, crazy for the Nerds. sport. <laughs> yeah. <Just> Nerd <laughs> corner. Uh, and I guess I should mention that our, our banger in the paint is not with us today. What a shame. I don't think we've had like a super person podcast in a long time. I'm, I'm basically just going to claim this as my own podcast from now on. Yeah, he's, he's no longer on the paint. He's currently on the outside. He's on the perimeter. He's at the stats cone at the stats table, man. Yeah, I guess so. He's gone soft on us. Oh, rude. All right, well, let's get into it. We've, we're about a week into free agency. I don't want to go through like, you know, how every other podcast is like, oh, let's uh, let's talk about this team and this team and this team. Oh, these guys are winners. Let's break down Jeff Green's eight million dollar signing. Let's talk about Dante Divincenzo getting four years with like a million thousand dollars, thousand million dollars, whatever. Uh billions yeah we could do that or we could just talk shit about teams that we liked and didn't like i'd rather talk shit about people you know you're very good at that i I like to talk stuff it's fun (laughs) and 
Especially about Raj. Oh, both of you. When you're not here, it's the same thing. Oh, damn. That hurts. Yeah, man. Everybody, everybody's liable to get these. Can we talk about the Knicks just constantly going after Villanova guards? This is weird, right? Signing Dante DiVincenzo to a four-year deal just because he went to school with uh, Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart. A little weird. Four years, $50 million for a guy who seemingly does the same things as Josh Hart. Yeah, they're very similar players. I mean, Josh Hart, I mean, both guys are really good rebounders for their positions. Josh Hart, I think, led the league in rebounds for a guard. And DiVincenzo, per minute, is not very far behind him. They both play extremely hard. They're both guys you really want on your team because you know what you're going to get from them in, in terms of like effort and um, knowing where to be and being in the right spots and all that. But yeah, they are very similar. So... I mean, it's not a bad number to get him at either. He's still pretty young. I think he's, what, 26, 27 years old. He's in the heart of his prime. But yeah, like the fact they already have Josh Hart and his situation hasn't really been confirmed yet. I know he opted into his contract so they can get DiVincenzo, but I would assume that an opt-in extend is coming. We just haven't heard it yet. Um, but he opted into his $12.5 million contract. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens from there. He's probably going to get like another three years tacked onto that, I'm sure. Um, but you also get another guy that you can rely on in a playoff rotation. So, I mean, the amount of years, I guess, is not the greatest. But at the same time, he's in his prime. So it's it's not really that bad. And they keep their cap sheet still somewhat clear because they're going to have Randall, I think, on an expiring this year, if I'm not yep. mistaken. Oh, uh, wait. Next year. Next year. My bad. Okay. And then they still have, you know, Barrett now starting his max contract, I believe, starting this wait, year. Wait, hold on, hold on. Julius Randall is... Going into a contract year next year, but he has a player option for the year after. So he's going to be making thirty million the year after. So let's just assume that he takes that. I I think that'll be close. I mean, based on his production level and that he plays pretty much every game, True. and how the cap's gone up, there's a chance he definitely opts out of that. But anyways, like the the Knicks have a pretty good cap sheet right now, having Jalen Brunson on the books for his great contract that a lot of people weren't thinking so last <laughs> off season, obviously. Um, but they have all their picks. So they're probably in the driver's seat to get the next big star. Wow. I was ready to go in here and flame the New York Knicks for just compiling Villanova players. But, Pat, you're not too bad on it. Not low on it. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it from like a playoff perspective, you want guys you can trust in a rotation, right? And even though this may not be the greatest move for the regular season, I guess. um, I I think overall, like he's one of the guys you can count on in an eight-man rotation. So it's not that bad. Wow, I uh, did not expect that. You know they still have Evan Fournier on the books for another year? Yeah, another trade ship wow. right there. I mean, he's uh, he's obviously expiring, so he would be a contract to use if they wanted to potentially get into the James Harden sweepstakes, but why would you ever <laughs> want to do that? Nobody wants that sweepstakes. The 76ers don't even want to be part of that sweepstake. No. Come on now. Uh, I mean, I think you mentioned it briefly, but they got rid of Obi Toppin as well for, I believe, two second-round picks. I mean, yeah, free Obi. Stuff behind Julius Randle the whole time. It seems like him and Tibbs did not get along whatsoever. And he's going to get some run in Indiana. They sold him pretty low, but I mean, why keep the guy there if you're not going to play him? And pay him too. That's yeah. the biggest thing, right? Like he's coming up on, you know, possible extension, his first, um, you know, non-rookie extension. And you would think that if he's pretty productive this year, he's going to get at least... 15 20 million dollars 
And when he has played as a starter, he's been pretty productive, honestly. It's just his defense, it got better last year, honestly, but um, it leaves a lot to be desired. But when you have Miles Turner next to you, he could look really good in that situation. So I think he's somewhat of an ideal fit based on what they got him for, especially. The Indiana team is looking uh, not too bad. Sending Bruce Brown for 20-something, low 20s for two years. Yeah, they got him for $22 million team option in the second year. So they pay him right away, and if you know it's a good fit, then they'll probably just renegotiate his contract, um, or they could just you know have him opt in, or sorry, the team could essentially just opt in in the second yeah. year of the contract um, because I think they have cap space next off. They have a little bit of cap space next off season. Yeah, they're only <laughs> so they can always just they're only paying Halliburton. Of course, they have cap space. They're paying him a big number though, and Turner got his extension, but. He probably shouldn't have taken that based on what other guys are getting this offseason yeah. and his numbers going down the next few years because I think they gave him uh, more of a bag this season and, uh, you know, essentially getting more money this year and then opting in and extending. So good for him, I guess, but also bad for Miles him. Miles Turner made $35 million this past year, goes down to twenty one nine next year, this upcoming year, and then nineteen nine the year after. Wow, that's uh, quite the decrease. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty great move by their management. So he's a really good player, and he took another step up last year. So and uh, like I said, like their their front court um, fits really well together. If you project, you know, top into play the same way that he did in starting minutes in New York when he had the opportunity, um, and he shot better with more minutes too. So I mean, he's in the ideal situation. He doesn't have to play great defense in that system because in the end, he doesn't play any defense. <laughs> so they can just score a ton of points. He can fly around the court and catch alley oops from Halliburton, and everything works out. I was going to say, this is a low key, very exciting uh, like league pass team this upcoming year. Halliburton topping with uh, with Matherin and Heald in the back. Ooh. Oh, for sure. Ooh. They're, they're the new age team. They're going to shoot a lot of threes, play really fast, and there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of points on the board for sure. Okay. All right. Give me a team. Give me a team that uh, you want to talk about. Winners or losers? Maybe maybe go winners and make this a little bit more of a joyous occasion. I'm. I was gonna bring up Indiana, <laughs> but I mean, we just talked about them, so I guess I would have to talk about the Lakers. Mm, um, don't want to do. That, I don't right? like bringing them up as a winner because I'm not a fan of them, obviously, and I don't like to see LeBron do well. Um, but overall, I mean, their team did really well this off season. Um, a lot of people are talking about like, you know, you shouldn't sign Miami Heat players because when they go to other teams, they don't provide the same production, which could potentially happen here. But if Gabe Vincent provides the same type of production that he did in the playoffs, he seems like the perfect fit for a LeBron-led team, right? He's a guy that is your ideal spot-up guy. He can take a little, you know, a little bit of shots off the dribble as well around screens. And he's going to be a backup going into the season anyway. And then if they decide to trade Russell at the trade deadline, um, he could definitely fill in there depending on what they get for him. He's basically Mario Chalmers. That's actually not a backup person. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's pretty Comes good. Comes from the Heat. Good defensive player. Not like, incredible, but like works his ass off on defense. Decent handle. Can like can take the pressure off LeBron whenever on the they're on the floor together. And he's a decent shooter. He's not like an amazing shooter. I think. His playoff run led a lot of people to believe that like Gabe Vincent's like a forty percent three point shooter. He's not. Let's just put the brakes on that. But he can still hit shots, right? Like that's all that you really need. And I've been a long proponent proponent of just being a threat on the floor. You know what I mean? 
Like, remember when DeMar just refused to shoot threes? And we were like, yo, like, all you gotta do is shoot one three a game just to, like, just to get the defense on their toes a little bit more. It's the same thing with this. You just need a, a player who's, like, capable of hitting shots with LeBron, who can stand in the corner or stand on the wing, wherever LeBron tells him to go, and who just, like, provides, like, a mild threat. That's all you really need on any LeBron team. That's why Mario Chalmers was so good. And Shane Battier. No, for sure. Battier was consistent in his spot-up shooting. That's the main thing with Gabe Vincent, though. In the regular season, I think he shot like 33% on spot-ups. And then in the playoffs, he shot 41 or 42. So you're just wondering which guy you're going to get. But at the same time, even if he's not hitting at a 42% clip or even higher than that on spot-up shots, in the regular season, you want guys that can take the pressure off LeBron so he doesn't have to you know, have as much of a load. And the way that they structured their team, you know, a lot of people don't like D'Angelo Russell, including myself, but he is a pretty good, you know, minutes and production eater in, in the regular season anyway. So LeBron isn't going to have to carry their team and play 35 plus minutes a game in order for them to be a potential top seed in the Western Conference. So on that note, you know, they brought back uh, Austin Reeves at the best contract in the offseason. Somehow. Um, yeah, I was pretty disappointed to see nobody else offered him, you know, the big $98 million contract and put the Lakers in a spot where they have to match it. And the Lakers offered their max, which was $56 million over four years, instead of what other teams could have potentially offered, which is four years, 98. Um, but I think a lot of teams didn't do that because of the poison pill provision where the contract goes up um, by a lot of money. It's sort of like what happened with... Um, Tyler Johnson, and he signed with Brooklyn. <laughs> Tyler Johnson. And his contract went from like $11 million in the first year to like 22 upwards in the second, third, and fourth year, if I'm not mistaken. So if you're a young team that has a bunch of players like San Antonio, and their contracts are going to be up in two or three years, and you got to pay these guys near max potentially if they really produce at that kind of scale, then you're going to have you know Austin Reeves at a insane number at like 35 million or whatever in year three and four and then your cap sheet doesn't look so good so i understand why nobody else offered it to him but i would just like to have seen like potentially san antonio or even detroit uh giving him a massive offer and then just going with it to see if the lakers would match or not but we didn't get that unfortunately yeah you would think a team especially a team in the same conference or division would want to just like sort of mess with la right like you said, a team like San Antonio, a team like Houston, like I, I thought that Houston would at least like throw some sort of bag at him just to just to test the waters. Considering they paid out like Dylan Brooks and Fred VanVleet, why can't you just pay Austin Reeves instead? And I'm sure we'll get to them later, but I guess I'll ask this now since you brought it up for their specific situation where they just have a bunch of young guys who don't know anything right now. Would you rather have Fred VanVleet? at the current number that he's at, providing leadership and some form of balance in their lineup? Or would you rather have Reeves potentially a point guard playing a position he hasn't fully played before, but he has more upside? I feel like Van Vliet, right? Like, I, I think we, like, talk about wanting veterans in, like, the locker room, guys who, like, are professionals and blah, blah, blah. And that's exactly what Houston seemed to get this year. Aside from, you know... Everyone talking shit about Dylan Brooks. He's still, like, a top-five defensive player at his position, right? He's still, like, a veteran. Yeah, he's one of the rare ones that just gives it back all on offense instead of defense. Most guys you hear about, it's the exact opposite. Yeah, fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> but at least he provides, like, good defense. And 
Sometimes you need that in the locker room, right? So, I don't know. Not for that number. Yeah, well, I'm not a fan of the number either, but I'm pretty high on Houston's offseason so far. Not high, yeah. high, but, like, I'm, I'm happy with what they did. I like the Van Vliet move. The money is, I mean, in, the, in their situation, it's whatever. It doesn't really matter. you got to pay somebody, man. They had to sign somebody. Exactly. And I think he'll be a good fit there for their young guys. He'll actually get them into sets, and they're not going to look like they did the last couple of years where they're just completely unwatchable, and it's just random offense unless... I mean, sometimes they actually look pretty good going through Shangoon. Um, but the rest of the offense are just completely random. So yeah. getting him and some other veterans in there will hopefully help a little bit. But at the same time, they drafted uh, the Thompson kid at five, and now he's going to be playing behind Dylan Brooks. So you wonder <laughs> where the balance is there at the same. And they have some other swing uh, guys too. Like they have Jay Sean Tate. They have some other – like Jabari Smith, obviously. So they got to figure out the minute situation, but it's it's also a good thing to have veterans in there where you have to compete for your minutes and actually prove yourself out there and contribute towards winning and developing that winning environment uh, versus what they were doing before. And they got Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff, world champion. Yeah, he should be a pretty good locker, you know, room presence. Yeah. I don't think he's gonna play that much, but doesn't matter. They got Jeff Green, man. If you got Jeff Green, you're an automatic winner in my book. Are you wearing a Jeff Green jersey right now? No, I'm wearing a... Uh, uh, Wilson, yeah. of course. Wilson yes, Chandler, yes. baby. One Very of the nice. most underrated nice. perimeter players of his time. Yep, 50-point-per-game guy in China. <laughs> Yo, chill, man. <laughs> China, come on. Uh, let's go back to the Lakers. Because they didn't just get Austin Reeves. They obviously re-signed D'Angelo Russell. We are talking about... Something Jackson Hayes, which like, I kind of like as just like a, a why not tester, two mils at two million or two years at four point six million. Why not just throw it out there? But the most underrated move and like one of the earliest moves of the of the day on free agency day was bringing Torian Prince, good three and D guy. I think he's pretty much liked in like everywhere he's gone. I don't think any teams have had issues with him. He just like he's just a guy who gets a, the job done. Junkyard dog kind of guy, except he can shoot threes. Kind of like Damari Carroll back in the day. Yeah, until Damari Carroll got that contract and then everyone hated him. Yeah, but Torian <laughs> Prince hasn't gotten that yet, so it's cool. <laughs> this is true. I mean, they basically swapped out Troy Brown, who actually had a pretty good year for them, um, for Torian Prince. And is that an upgrade? Yeah, maybe, maybe slightly. I'd have Torian Prince. Torian Prince yeah, yeah. Troy Brown is younger, though, and he did have a really good year for the Lakers, um, whereas before that, he was really a truly unproven player. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that Minnesota basically traded one for the other by, you know, deciding not to pick up Prince's option and then signing Troy Brown, which is interesting. Weird. And they got Shake Milton. It was a bit odd, but, uh, you know, Prince was at the $7 million number, which it's not that bad for him, honestly, but now he's making less. So, again, another good signing by the Lakers. And, again, he'll be a minutes eater in the, in the regular season. He might be a guy you can play 20 minutes in the playoffs, potentially. So, another solid move. The Rui move, I guess you had to pay him that number at, what was it, like $17 million a year or something uh, like that? Let me check, to, just to make sure so we don't get this all twisted. Rui is making three years at $51 million. Yeah, there you go. 17 mil a year. That's good for him, man. That's a lot. Good for him, for sure. I mean, he definitely profited off of like 
five good playoff games or whatever. I don't want to. I mean, Raj is not on the podcast, so I can say whatever I want right now. And he can't go back at me, so this is nice. You're calling him Jerome James? Um, is, that, is that what we're hearing here? Come on now. I mean, he might be, honestly. That's, that's <laughs> another good comparison by you. He, he's had some pretty bad seasons, and then all of a sudden the playoffs, he just can't miss a shot. So, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that signing, but I'm sure, you know, with the cap going up and everything, worst case scenario, you can always trade him in year two or three. 100%. And he's seen to fit pretty well with LeBron, so, that, you know, it's not, it's not too that's bad. That's the key. Um, I think at this point, a lot of the Lakers' moves are just to make sure LeBron sticks around for, you know, the next couple of years after Bronny cut, like, tries to make it to the league, right? Instead of LeBron just, like, leaving yeah, to go to sure. whatever team Bronny ends up with. And going into this season, like this is the year where they they really have to win the title because he, I mean, he's turning what thirty nine this no, year. We've been saying that for the past like four years with LeBron, man, and he did it. He did it in twenty twenty. Although you know, asterisks or not, whatever. But it happened, right? They got their title. Yeah, but I mean, based around the moves that they made in the off season, they actually did a really good job in putting, like I said, all these guys around him that can handle the ball and take the pressure off from him, so he doesn't have to do too much in the regular season if he chooses not to. I'm sure he still wants to keep his numbers up because he wants to be seen as the goat. So I'm sure he's still going to play 30 minutes a game and try to put up like you know 25, seven and seven. Um, but you know, he should have less of a load as long as Anthony Davis doesn't get injured and, I mean, too often anyway. There you go. That's the one big hole that I see in their lineup, though. Like, I sort of like Jackson Hayes as, you know, a potential switch center who can, you know, um, be really bouncy and catch alley-oops and all that, provide vertical spacing. But, uh, you know, if he has to replace Davis for 30 to 40 games, is that your best option going forward? Maybe they just play Rui at center like they did in the, in the playoffs and then play really small why not in the regular season but i think they need one more big guy to sort of solidify their lineup a little bit and be a minutes eater who in the west are you actually concerned about with well by having Rui play center though other than guys like Jokic, obviously but like who's there in sabonis maybe yeah i guess you know so. what i mean that's another team too we should talk about later on but uh yeah, I mean, there's not too many guys you're really worried about in the regular season anyway. Yeah. But, you know, playoffs, if Davis is not playing, you don't have a chance anyway. So um, I would try to get an, a big body um, behind him. Just make like a small signing. I'm sure there's plenty of guys out there you can probably – even like a Kem Birch, right? Maybe someone like, like someone like DeAndre Jordan. Well, no, because they signed him at like 1201 or what? I guess it's 601 now. Oh, man. From day one of free agency. Uh, this this Denver offseason has not been uh, looking great so far. As soon as Bruce Brown went out the door, they were like, oh, oh, Reggie Jackson, come back on a two-year deal. Yeah, that was odd. I think they signed him at that number, though, so they could trade him for one of the guys that got signed this offseason around that number, about around, I think it's called the, the BAE or whatever it's called, um, for around like $4.7 or whatever it is. So I understand why they gave him the money. But they could have done better. I feel like <laughs> why not just sign Seth Curry if he's willing to go there, right? Ugh. That's the thing. I I don't know because it's also in Denver, right? It's not like a real free agency hub. Guys, like nobody signs in Denver, right? So I wonder if it was just like just getting anything they can get just to secure a contract, like you said, at this point. And also, I mean, Seth Curry going back to Dallas for like the third time is like, dude, you deserve better. I'm just saying. Yeah. They're clearly not, I mean, not valuing you for what you really are. You're getting paid like pennies compared to everyone else at your position. 
Come on. At the same time, though, he didn't really play much in Brooklyn last year, so but, to get that kind of money when you're not really playing much, it's a lot of people look at it like, okay, he was super productive the last couple of years, but last year he was not productive at all, so maybe he's on the downside of his career potentially with all of his injuries, but uh, you know, if he produces at around the same level as before last year, um, where he was shooting like 43% from three, He'll be a good, uh, you know, at least regular season player. Playoff-wise, I don't think he's going to play much. No, unless he has someone with the passing abilities of, like, Jokic, basically. Like, literally just Jokic. Yeah, which is... Or Sabonis. Like, you put him in that if Kevin you're a guard Herter that's, role? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, yeah. that type of role. Um, but if I'm Denver, I would have prioritized getting a guy more like Bruce Brown that can handle the ball and defend multiple positions. I'm sort of surprised Io Dosumu hasn't been signed yet, but I think he's restricted, so yeah. I understand sort of why. I mean, after what we saw today with uh, Matisse Steibel going back to <laughs> Portland because he got signed to a pretty reasonable deal. Yeah. Um, I understand why teams sort of stay away from the restricted guys, but at this point, there's not many guys left out there, so why not just take a chance and tie up your cap for a day and see if the guy is going to sign with you? You know what's funny? I was going to start off the podcast making a Matisse Thibault joke. You know, big news of the day, Matisse Thibault. But, uh, you know, good for him. Through your offer sheet. I like it. Yeah, I mean, originally the, the reports were he was going to get like the full MLE for four years, 40, 40, 52, sorry. Yeah. And when I heard about that, I'm like, that's, uh, that's a bit much for him. But three years at uh, 33, that's it's not bad. I like that. Especially since uh, Portland is just completely blowing up now. You might as well just give young guys contracts and see what happens. And plus, they can trade him, obviously. I mean, he's going to be a guy that's going to be sought after at the trade deadline, so you can get at least two seconds for him, probably. Yeah. I would say get him to Denver, but uh, he can't really handle the raw or shoot. And they have Christian Brown, so <laughs> that'd be fine. Yes, this is very true. Um, do you want to take the lead on this next team, or can I just throw out... Uh... Go ahead. Uh, I mean, this is really going to hit close to home, but can we just roast the Toronto Raptors for a bit here? Do we roast them for a bit? Yeah. I mean, holding on to Fred Van Vliet, the Pascal, like basically the whole the whole core during this past season, hoping that they would make the playoffs, sort of just laying low, waiting to see what happens, and then Freddie walks. I think he's... I mean, most of the players from the championship team who left, other than Kyle Lowry, have just walked, right? Serge walked, Kawhi, Danny Green all just walked out the door. And Yeah, Marcus Saul got traded, if I'm not mistaken. No, he I think he, Did he, he walk? walked as well. He walked straight to LA. Mm. He walked straight to that Lakers team, right? Uh, yes, and then yes, LeBron yes. hated playing with him because he was like, yo, this guy passes too much. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he's not taking the spot up yeah, shots. Not, I don't want him on my he's team. He's not moving around me. I want people to move around me. I don't want to move. Anyway. The Raptors, in lieu of that, signed Jakob Pertl for years like we thought they would. Signed Dennis Schroeder out of like a quick desperation move from what it seemed like. Kind of like the, yeah. the Nuggets signing Reggie Jackson. And I don't know. They signed Jalen McDaniels for two years. I think we all kind of like that as a as a flyer. Why not? Add to their 6'9 length. But, ooh, man, just this team with no direction continues to just be confusing for everybody. Yeah, Masai Ujiri has built up a lot of credit over time, obviously. But if you look at the last couple of years, you're just like, pick a direction. Like, just either rebuild. I know he's, like, tried to retool 
um, with different teams on the fly, including Denver, obviously, when he was there. Um, one of the trades that he made, obviously, was, uh, I think it was McGee for Nene, if I'm not mistaken. That was like one of those retool on the fly type situations. I think he sort of did that this time with Pirtle, right? Yeah. And you're doing it with a team that didn't make the playoffs, and now you owe a top six protected pick to the Spurs. So you're trying to win next year, you would think. At the same time, you have two guys that are, you know, up for big extensions that don't necessarily fit with your future franchise player because they sort of play the same, especially Siakam. So the rumors now are that they're going to extend and trade him potentially. So he has more value Ooh. to a team that actually acquires him. And honestly, now's the right time to do it, right? Like he has another year left. So if you're able to extend him and then maybe he doesn't get traded this offseason, but maybe they can trade him next offseason when his contract um, you know, is up at that point and going into the next contract. So a team knows that they're getting him for four years. Yeah. Um, I would keep Ananobi over him. Because Ananobi's, um, he just fits better because he's a better spot-up shooter. And I think he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. So I, I would keep him next to Scotty. I would pay him instead of Siakam and keep him on the roster going forward. The Trent thing doesn't make too much sense for me, especially if he gets extended at like a massive number at like 22 plus million. If he's at like 18 to 20, I mean, 22 is not much of a difference, obviously. And you can trade him because he is young. Um, and he's a big shot taker. Yeah, I mean, he, he does hit shots on the perimeter, which is what they need. But as you mentioned, they haven't really done too, too much to reshape the team, especially the starting lineup, in a way that puts shooting around your f- future franchise player. No. So they really have to make a decision soon as to a direction to go in. And I'm assuming you want them to blow it up like every other Raptors fan here? It's hard to blow it up though when you owe a top six protected pick though, right? So like what's the point? I feel like you're still trying to win. I think the the biggest thing for next year, win or lose, is putting Scotty in a position that a lot of teams have done in the past. Like for example, Minnesota with Zach Levine, um, Houston this past year with Jalen Green, and that you put him in a position to handle the ball a lot this upcoming year and put him in different spots that he may not have been used to in the NBA anyway. Yeah. And when, you know, when he used to play in Florida in college, he was doing that all the time. Yeah. So you would hope in the NBA be able to take that role and put shooting around him so he actually has space to move around and do the things he's supposed to do. Get to Summer League, man. Get to Summer League. I'll... Put him in Summer yeah, League? why not? Keegan Murray's in Summer League. Yeah, I think he's not going to play yeah. again, though, based on his last two games. Probably not. But my point is... Summer League is like a good place for these guys just to work on their game, right? Like develop that IQ, develop that handle, improve their court vision. Assuming that, you know, there's a continuity between the Summer League team and the the regular team, which it usually is. They remember Desmond Bain a couple of years ago, went to Summer League and just crushed it playing point guard. And now he's like a pretty decent ball handler in the league. A guy who can actually create shots for others. Like, there's a... There's a weird like thing in the NBA now where like young guys just don't play in summer league. I'm sure teams also don't want to risk having young guys play in summer league and hurting themselves and blah 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 blah. But like, yo, use summer league, man. It's a good tool to have for young guys, and you're playing against other young competition. It's not like you're playing against a bunch of old guys who are just gonna body you. Yeah, come on. I mean, for Scotty though, I think he's more established. I think that for him, like. You just have to put him in an environment that so far in the NBA he's not been used to. Fine. He should have played last year then. I agree with that. Yeah. I think third-year players, like once you're established in the second year, 
I think third year is more about where you just take the leap in the NBA. Like, I don't think you should be playing in summer league because it's below you at that point. Like, if you're struggling in summer league by year three, like, I think Killian Hayes played in summer league and he was still crap. (laughs) And he was still crap in the NBA the next season, which was last season. Killian Hayes being there for like eight years. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Also, so was our our boy Moses Brown. I'm just saying. Yeah, I think he's on the Raptors Summer League team, he too. He is. Fourth year veteran. <laughs> yeah. I always thought he was going to make it, but maybe Same. not. I'm still a believer, man. I follow Moses. Maybe he'll go to the Lakers and be that, you know, third big body. He's not that big. <laughs> he's long. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, based on the Raptors roster construction, you would think that Scotty's going to start a point guard now. Because I don't think you can have Dennis Schroeder with Ananobi, Scotty, Pascal, Pirtle. That's... No, there's no shooting there besides Ananobi sometimes. Um, so I think you have to start Trent in that scenario. And you really have to figure out what they're going to do with Ananobi and Pascal. They really have to choose one guy because you can't just have all this money tied up in Trent, Ananobi, um, Siakam, and then Pirtle, and then Scotty's up in two years, and then you got to pay him a max contract. So that's not a winning formula. They got to make a decision with Pascal soon. Yeah, I mean, all the rumors now are, you're right, Pascal will be gone, is the guy that they're going to move between the two of them, but I don't know, man. I think they have a soft spot for Pascal. He's a 905 development kind of guy, and, you know, he's one of those guys that sort of just grew up with the team, right? I guess Ananomi did too, but Pascal like went through the ringer with the team, so I, I don't know. I think there's a much bigger soft spot for him. Gotta sell high. What the last thing I do want to mention with the Raptors is Masai Ujiri was recently named to the Council Order of Canada, Order of Canada, whatever. It's like the highest privilege honor that a citizenship or a citizen could get in Canada. So, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe that's why he wasn't active this year. Yeah, he's had his priorities on uh, other things, I guess. Working JT, man. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we didn't get anything for Fred is it doesn't go down as uh, Wild. you know, a, a check mark for uh, for Masai and what he's done in the last I guess in his career really. You got to look ahead and be like, all right, this team is very mediocre. This guy just had an all-star season a couple seasons ago. That's when they should have traded him. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. I uh I always try to defend the Raptors brass, I guess, and you know, see that or I say that they had like a a greater vision in mind, but I'm not seeing that anymore. I am out, unfortunately, for now, at least until something happens. Well, I guess you're not going to get invited to all their dinners from now on anymore, right? Yes, yes, I am. I guess I will not. Oh, well. Maybe just edit that part out. <laughs> no, I'm still available, guys. Don't worry. I'll come work the tables for you. You've done a great job, Bobby. Yeah. I'm I'm perfectly capable of clearing plates off tables. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's hit our last team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, not really talked about, to be honest, and made some minor moves. Charis LeVert resigns. George Niang, the bus. The minibus? The bus? Just the bus? I think it's the minibus. Bang, bang, Minivan. Niang. Minivan. Oh, bus. yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, van. I like this other Niang. nickname better, though. What? Bang, bang, Niang. <laughs> What a sick name. <laughs> it is. And the way like the PA announcer does it in Philadelphia is so good. Bang, bang, Niang. 
Damn, is Mike Breen running the, the PA announcing in Philly too? Got it. He might be. Multiple jobs. Wow. Okay, so they got they resign or they got Niang, they resign Karis Levert, and they bring in Max Struess, who had uh he's had a really good couple of years shooting the ball, just in general. Obviously his playoff run was incredible, aside from the finals, which was not so great. But all that to say, the Cleveland Cavaliers adding a bit more shooting to their team. Defensively, you're still gonna base everything around Allen and Mobley, obviously. But uh I mean for the past two years we've talked about how shit their perimeter play was, right? That that three position has always just been an empty space. Last year Karis Levert like stepped in and he actually did pretty well. I think I think Karis Levert actually got shot on a lot last year for considering the situation he was put into. But as a guy who wasn't a big three point shooter, his percentages actually went up last year. I think he was shooting like high thirties, right? So you have that, and then you bring in a veteran like George Niang and another shooter like Max Struess. I kind of like it. Clinton Cavaliers, I think, did a low-key good job this this free agency. Yeah, they got guys who fit. The, the Struess contract sort of worries me a little bit in terms of the length of it because I think he's a little bit older, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I wouldn't say he's still a little bit unproven, but you know, as a starter potentially on a new team where he has a very specific role, where you would hope they're going to use him the same way coming around the DHOs. Um, and they have guys that can play with him too. Like Mobley's a good passer who can run that type of play. Jared Allen's the same thing. Um, I think ultimately this team's final form in a year or two is not going to involve Jared Allen being in the lineup. I think that he's ultimately going to get traded for what they hope to be like the final piece of the puzzle. I think like a potential, not not Jeremy Grant, but a Jeremy Grant type um, with, um, you know, Mobley and, you know, their other um, perimeter players. I think that's their final form playoff wise, because unless Mobley takes a massive step up in terms of his perimeter game, those two play really well in the regular season, especially defensively. But in the playoffs, when you don't really have to guard either guy, it's very difficult for a team to be able to get pain points when those two guys are out there and they're both either standing in the dunker spot or standing in the mid-range. Um, so I do like the moves overall for this upcoming season. And they just needed a guy that teams would have to just worry about on the perimeter so the guards can go do their thing out there. Um, but uh, ultimately, this is not going to be the last move before the Donovan Mitchell era is over. Oh, for sure. But it's in the... it's. Steps in the right direction, right? I think that's that's the key in keeping got, like their superstar Donovan Mitchell happy, along with Evan Mobley, who seemingly just seems like a good dude. But you're right. I mean, his play on the court with with Jared Allen, they they just don't seem to complement each other very well, unless you know Evan Mobley somehow turns into an incredible playmaker, which you know would be great. But I don't know if I see that happening anytime soon. So you're kind of just stuck, and I mean, a Jeremy Grant type of player would be ideal. Not Jeremy Grant specifically because of his contract, obviously, but that type of player, you know, Aaron Gordon also fits into that type of mold. Young Jeff Green would fit into that mold. Of course. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, though. It's all the, it's those like power forwards who are kind of big, kind of a, like pretty athletic, but can still move their feet well enough to stay with like two guards if they need to. 
I mean, at his peak, which was probably like in the middle of last year, maybe the year before, um, they should have really considered looking at like Jared Allen for um, OG Ananobi before Toronto made that trade for Pirtle. You know, I think they, yes, I agree. But the the whole thing with Ananobi's price being like, you know, 13 first round picks or whatever the fuck the, the rumors were, it's so absurd that I don't know if anyone could take it seriously. Yeah, that's true. But he's the type of player, like, he would be the perfect fit there. He's, like, the guy they would want to get, I think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I think ultimately you hope Jared Allen has a good year, and I think you'd look to trade him while his value is still high. And he's got a really good contract still, too. Like, him making $25 million for his projection level is still pretty solid. So I would definitely consider doing that maybe as soon as the trade deadline or next offseason. Um, but ultimately with their current lineup and the offseason moves – I think they overpaid for both of the white boys, but um, I think they are going to be a pretty solid fit there as long as they use, especially Struess, correctly. They can't just have him stand out in the corner. Um, they have to use him off the ball to be more of a threat, which I, I think they'll do, especially with like you know one-guard lineups where they have one of the guards on the bench resting. I think that Struess will be featured a lot more. I'm excited. They were a very fun team to watch last year. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is like stupid fun just to watch on his own, but with threats on the perimeter, ooh. Also, Karis LeVert last year shot 39% from three. That is pretty damn good. I remember through the first 25 games, he was shooting like an all-time low in two-point percentage. So it all evened out in the end, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, at $16 he's getting paid market rate for what he does, and they can easily trade him. The one question I would have to you, I guess, would be, would you rather play uh, pay Max Struess in the current role that he's in, or would you rather pay Grant Williams for this team? Because I feel like Grant Williams would be a better playoff player. Uh, and what, not have Jared Allen on the team, I'm assuming? No, no, you just give Max Struess' money to Grant Williams, because Grant Williams is making less now than Max Struess, I believe. He's making about yeah, I wouldn't... $11 million less. I wouldn't want Grant Williams in a combination with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, though. You know. Yeah, but I think if you have Grant Williams, work. you can unlock that small ball lineup where he's playing the four or even the five because he's so big in terms of girth. Um, then you can play him with Mobley, and then if Allen's not playing well in the playoffs again, then you actually have a lineup that makes sense. Yeah, I, it's <coughs> like Boston just tanked Grant Williams' value last year, right? Whatever was going on with him in Missoula or him and Brad Stevens in the front office, like something just didn't seem right. He went from like a a solid contributor in that finals run to barely coming on the floor for a lot of the season and the most of the playoffs. It was, yeah, it was it a was strange thing. Quite to see. odd. And the fact that they didn't even sign him for the number that Dallas got him at was very odd. I mean, I understand why they didn't do it because they'd be under the second apron and they're afraid of that, but they could just move money if they wanted to. Like, they could just... I mean, they're getting Malcolm Brogdon off the books, I think, next year, or even if they're not, just trade him for... Trade him with a couple second-round picks and get off his money because they traded for a lot of second-round picks um, yeah. during this offseason, especially the draft. So I'm sure you can get off his money to a team like OKC, even Detroit, San Antonio, teams that are trying to take in money to get more picks. So I would have kept a player like that who can actually play playoff minutes if you're trying to win the championship, which is what they're trying to do, obviously. I think we should actually talk about Dallas before we, you know, <laughs> stop this podcast as well. Sure. Because I actually really enjoy what they did this offseason. Like, if they got Fiebel too, they would have been 
they would have had a really, really, really good offseason. But the fact they got Grant Williams, and I think he can play center in a playoff lineup. Hey, hey, I know hey, that hey, sounds hey, crazy. Hey, they re-signed Dwight Powell, okay? Show some respect. No, sorry. <laughs> He's still going <laughs> to find a way to start. Like, there's no, there's no question about it. Dwight Powell's going to retire straight into Mark Cuban's mansion somewhere, man. <laughs> Those two are never going to leave each other. I guarantee no. it. Yeah, he's going to be a special advisor making like $5 million, you know, in some way when he's, you know, retired at that point. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I like getting Grant Williams for $12 million a year. That's nothing for the type of player that he could be. Like, he's the next P.J. Tucker, but he can actually, like, do more things than P.J. Tucker can, especially on offense. And, you know, with how big he is, like, he's played center a lot for them, and he's guarded guys like Jokic and Embiid and had some success against them even like a guy like Giannis he's had some success against him too um but they are in the western conference so two of those guys they're only going to play them two times a year obviously but I think on playoff time the fact that they have him and Kleba now so both guys can switch in the perimeter both guys can spot up from three their lineup makes a lot more sense now especially the closing lineups and having him and being able to play big while also being able to play small so so say you're in a close game, right? Let's say they're playing against, uh, I don't know, the Clippers, for example. With a closing lineup, you're going to have Kyrie and Luka, obviously, in the backcourt. You're going to have, we're assuming, Grant Williams in there. But Seth Curry, maybe? No, he's not going to play. Like, So what else do you have here on this roster to close out your team, basically? I mean, based on how they played this year and how much Jason Kidd trusts them, I think Kleba is going to be the other guy in that lineup. Mm. And then the last spot will probably go to either Josh Green, if he takes his game to another level, or Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, That's a spot they sort of have to upgrade still, I think. Unless I'm forgetting somebody. I know they traded Bullock in this deal, which he would have been the guy. No, THJ uh, is still there. They traded Bullock in the deal to San Antonio, which was a nice little oh, bit of right. business for them. They ended up taking in Bullock's money. He's not even a bad player. Like He's only making like $10 million a year, so they can turn him into something else. I think they traded a couple seconds in that deal, and they ended up getting a Dallas first-round pick swap in 2030. So if this whole experiment with Kyrie doesn't work out and Dallas ends up you know, having to trade Luka or Luka just leaves – and they have to go into like a five-year rebuild, that pick could be worth a lot, um, the pick swap. Because you assume that San Antonio by 2030 is going to be in like the Wembanyama golden era. Ooh. So they would be swapping picks at that point with the worst Dallas Mavericks. So I think that they did really well in that trade. Uh, but from the Dallas side of things, getting Grant Williams in this deal I think is huge for them because he's obviously still young. He plays a position in need for them. Um, but I think ultimately they're going to look at upgrading that last spot like you mentioned because i think bullock would have been a you know pretty good fit in that lineup if they ended up being able to keep him um but you know the other guys like tim hardaway jr eh, he's a he's all right i guess and uh you know josh <laughs> I mean, green if he can hmm? i mean you say that but i don't think there's anything quite incredible about reggie bullock either he's also no but he eh just he just fits well with those guys like he knows his role he's gonna stand on the perimeter and shoot threes and defend so i think that's the type of guy they need but something a little bit higher level yeah um speaking of the mavericks goodbye to davis Bertens and christian wood just saying just a hey, lot of money off the books there's still a chance they re-sign christian wood <laughs> he's still out there christian it's not wood, gonna happen man. I wonder if you like who's gonna sign. Who do you think is gonna sign Christian Wood? 
I mean, we've been talking about it, so maybe the Lakers, right? Like, they need another yeah. guy to be able to produce behind AD when AD ultimately gets injured in the regular season. Yeah. So, Christian Wood produces for his minutes, so... LeBron not? might kill him, but... Yeah. Yeah. I want to see and him go a- to, like, a random-ass team. Like, go to Indiana and get some shots up, you know? Yeah, Yo, for Indi- sure. Christian Wood and, Ty- and Tyrese Halliburton... Ooh, look at that speed. My God. That's a lot of points for and a lot of points against, for sure. <laughs> I'm here for it, man. All right, hit me with some stats corner real quick. All right, so I got a couple things for you today. Uh, we'll start off with some trivia based on NBA history. So, six years, uh, six plus years later, the duo that led the Nuggets to the first title in franchise history and went on an utterly do- uh, dominant 16-4 playoff run, Murray and Jokic, combined average almost 60 points per game. Uh, since 96-97, only nine teams have won the title with a fatter per-possession scoring margin. Can you name those teams? And some of those teams have multiple years. That so should two be two teams hit. that have played who have had two players score more than sixty a game. Uh, no, I actually yeah. just mentioned that because it was just part of the, uh, the oh. trivia. <laughs> it's more so Dude. in terms of points per one hundred possessions by the team. The Nuggets killed opponents by eight points per one hundred possessions in the playoffs, and only nine teams have won the title with a fatter per possession scoring margin than eight or more so, points. So just pure dominance is what we're looking for here. Pure dominance in terms of the team like, since the 96-97 season. Like the 17 Warriors, for example. Yes, that is one of those teams. They are also responsible for a few other teams, which is 2015 and 2018. Wow. <laughs> Just the Warriors in general. Okay. Yep. Uh, how about those early Lakers teams with Shaq and Cobes? Yes, uh, 2001, yes. And they also had it in 2009 as well, which is sort of surprising. Yeah. 2001 was the year that they lost just one game, right? Against uh, Iverson in the final? Correct. All right. How many other... Uh, let's go with the Heat. Those uh, uh, LeBron years? No. Nope. Oh. oh, interesting. Let's say San Antonio in 15. Uh, San Antonio, yes. It was in 99 and 14. Uh, 14. Oh, yeah, I remember, this is since 96-97, so you're missing one key team in there for sure. Oh, the Bulls? Yeah, Chicago yeah. Bulls in 98. And lastly, right in between those uh, Golden State years. Oh, the Cleveland team? The yep. 3-1 Cleveland team? Cleveland in 2016. There you go. So I have some... This one's actually like the best uh, trivia that I've found in a while. So the highest career scoring average uh, among second-round picks in NBA history. Oh, okay. I have 10 guys in total. Okay. Ginobili? Uh, surprisingly, no. I think it's because his first couple of years, he didn't average too many points. So he's Same actually not the last two. Same with the last year. Uh, is he, well, Jokic, I'm assuming, is on this list. Yeah, Jokic is at 20.2 points with a 63%. Uh, true shooting percentage. Okay. Monte Ellis? Yes, Monte oh, Ellis. Yes. 17.8 points per game, 52% true shooting. Yo, go watch the Monte Ellis highlights after this, man. Ooh. Yep. Monte okay. was nice. 
So you got two out of three so far. I'll give you, we'll give you 10 guesses in total. See how many you get. Agent Zero? Yes, Gilbert is at, he's number three on the list, 20.7 points per game. All right. That's uh, pretty much my knowledge of second round draft pick. <laughs> There's a lot uh, of guys here from the 80s. One of the guys you should definitely get based on the team that you root for. From the 80s? I don't know. Is Alice English a second round draft pick? He was. He's oh, number one, right. 21.5 points per game. Wow. Leading scorer in all the 80s. Just, just Alice English. Um... There's one more current player who's still trying to be in the NBA. He's not currently on a team, but he was truly electric when he was in the NBA. Very small guard. Small guard? Uh, Can't be Isaiah. It was Isaiah. (laughs) What? 17.7 points per game. Okay. Okay, so Isaiah Thomas, second Isaiah Thomas. Um, and then I'll give you some hints. Yeah. Uh, one of these players you will know is from the 2000s. He's a lefty shooty, uh, shooter. Sorry, um, He's one of the best players coming off screens, and he had a really, really high release point. Michael Red. Michael Red, 19 nice. points per game. My, that was a pure-looking shot. Ooh, for a lefty? My goodness. Yep. Uh, this guy you're not going to get. It's Calvin Murphy. Houston nope. Rockets. Would not have. Uh, one of these guys I actually don't recognize. He's from Atlanta. 17 points per game. Last name Williams. Not sure what his name sure. is. Scoot? Scoot? Tree? No, Tree Rollin. You, no. You're in the right vicinity. You're in the right just, name vicinity put, there, though. I'm just putting out names, man. There's a guy that changed his name, and he's got one of the most famous names in basketball now. I'm not sure if Meta? you remember him. No, but you're in the right realm. He's he's from the 70s and 80s, I believe. World be free? There you go. World be free, I... 20.3 points per game. <laughs> and then lastly, I think it's Larry Drew at uh, 20.7. Yo, shout out to Larry Drew. My God. Yep. I never hear about Larry Drew as a player. Do you want one more quickly? <laughs> sure, man, if it's an actual quick one. All right. Oh, Highest catch and shoot. One. Three-point percentage, minimum 100 attempts from this past season. Let's see how many you can name out of the top five. Catch and shoot? Three-point percentage. Catch and shoot. Steph? Nope. Clay? Nope. Dame? Nope. All right, this is not quick enough. (laughs) All right, I'll give you the teams. Memphis? Uh, Bane? Nope. What? Triple J? This guy led the league in three-point shooting. Canard. In general. There God you go. damn. This one's a bit of a surprise. New York. Quickly. Let's see how many this? guesses it takes. Nope. On New York. Not Brunson. Is it, it Brunson? Is Brunson. Wow. 47.6%. Nobody passes him the ball. Come on, man. Yeah, but apparently when he gets it like that, he, he puts up numbers. Um, and the next two are Phoenix Suns role players now. One of them was not on the team last year. He's on the Utah. team this year. Utah, 45.7. And this guy re-signed recently. Damian Lee. Yes. The forgotten stepbrother. 47%. Not stepbrother. What am I thinking of? In-law. I was going to bring that up so you get it right away. And lastly, the Detroit Pistons. This one should be easy. Someone on oh Boyan Bogdanovich. Yes, there's nobody else. Wow. It's not Killian Hayes. 
Nobody's talking about the Detroit Pistons these days. Yo, show some Monte Morris, man. Hopefully, uh, he can get some some money out of this year in Detroit. I think he will. I don't think you're going to see much more Killian this year. I don't think we'll see him anywhere except in China soon. Or in, <laughs> you know, Ecuador. Somewhere out there. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Three-point percentage, always a good one to look at. Uh, let's kill it here. And on that note, I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Run iTunes on Spotify. Five-star reviews, thumbs up, good comments, you know, all the good jazz. You can find us on all the social networks. I'm talking Instagram, Twitter, however long we have Twitter anymore. TikTok, YouTube shorts, soon to be Instagram threads or threads, needles, whatever you want to call it. And until next time, peace.